All information contained in this podcast is general in nature and does not consider your individual circumstances. You should consider the appropriateness of this information with regards to your individual objectives, financial situation and needs. Welcome to Sharing More Than The Sheets, a podcast to help you and your partner make better financial and lifestyle decisions so that you can both focus on the things that you love. I'm your host, Michael Curry, financial planner, green thumb, husband, and just dad. Whether you're buying a home or whether you are in your house at the moment and are thinking of changing things around a little bit, furniture is always one of those big ticket items that can get really, really expensive. Today, I've invited Anita Bilkey with me from AB Interiors to talk about this very topic because Anita, I'll let her introduce herself, but um, I came across a book that she's recently written about how to furnish your home for practically nothing. And to me, I got really excited for two reasons. Uh, first of all, I like to save money. And secondly, I like I don't like throwing things out. My wife calls me a hoarder. I like to call myself somebody that appreciates things. Um, I don't know which one of the two I am, but at the end of the day, n- most people don't like throwing things out. Or if they see something, it's sometimes it's such a waste for things just to 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 get thrown out or to go to the tip when they can be used for something amazing or something so unique. So Anita, thank you so much for joining us. Hi, ha- thank you for having me, Michael. Yeah, no, it's um, it's a pleasure. And I, I think the best place to probably start is where, just if you can give us a bit of background about yourself and yeah. where this journey began, because it's, it's such a unique topic. Yeah. Um, well, I've been an interior designer for over 25 years and I've worked in multi-residential, um, private homes, project homes, commercial, retail, Um, basically all the industries. So along the way, I have learned a lot, obviously. And um, one of the things I did learn was about painting, and um, which is a very interesting because I didn't know there was so much to learn about painting. Um, So my whole journey came about like just before the pandemic hit, I decided to change a few of my interiors and I had a piece that was a really old piece that I had. I've had it for probably about 30 years, but it was looking really tired. And I thought, I'm going to paint it because what's going to happen? I mean, it's already been chipped and all this sort of thing, so it's not going to look any worse than what it is now. So I painted it and I really, really enjoyed it and the transformation was amazing. So I started to pick up another piece and I, um, I painted that as well. Um, so then the pandemic hit and it was just before the curbside um, furniture thing was put on hold in here in Brisbane, and which was really disappointing because I was really looking forward to that because, um, you know, occasionally I've picked up things off the side and repurposed them because I s- or painted them and sold them because I didn't like the idea of them going to waste. I mean, the truck comes along and smashes them up and it goes to the tip. What a waste. Plus, um, something I found out along this journey is that rotting timber products in the tip actually creates methane gas, which adds to the greenhouse effect. So with all the climate change, I'm thinking I really need to do something about this. So that's how the journey started, pretty much. And um, I started to realise that perhaps I could actually furnish a whole home. Is that possible? And get a designer look still. So I started on that journey 
creating a um, my own interiors with um, just pieces I had or um, selling some pieces that I had and um, buying secondhand pieces to fill the void. It was amazing that I found out that you could actually refurnish your whole home and I'm including things like um, linen, beds, lamps, curtains, anything you need for around $2,000 for a three-bedroom home. That is just outstanding. So, yeah, it's just, you know, one of those things where you think, I didn't think that was at all possible. Because we've seen like like every now and then on Instagram and Facebook, you'll sort of see hacks and things people have done, but it's... I mean, me, I, I like to do things around the house. Don't get me wrong. But sometimes when I see something like that, I just think, well, you know, maybe it's not for me or maybe it's, you know, maybe it's too difficult because some people listening to this would be thinking I've never painted a thing in my life. That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. What would you say to someone that's sort of thinking that way? Well, my clients were in exactly the same boat. I used to say to my clients, I said, oh, I need some new furniture, but they were running out of money. So I said, well, why don't you just um, repaint some of your old furniture? Oh, I don't know how to do that, they would say. Or I don't feel confident in doing that. And they'd ask me if I would paint it. So the book also came around because I felt that there was a need that people like yourself needed information about how to do this. One of the biggest tips I can give you is that you really need to discover your style. Once you find out what your style is, that will give you a roadmap on which pieces you need to buy to create that design look. So it's interesting when I talk to other people like clients, sometimes they don't understand what their style is. They say, oh, I don't know what my style is. And I go, well, you really need to find that out. So look at pictures on the internet if that's the case or anything like a you know, make up like a, a lookbook, basically, of all the things you really like, and you'll find that you'd be levitating to a particular style, whether it's Scandinavian style or it's Hampton style or coastal, whatever. But once you find that, that's your plan to get to that point where it'll look coastal because all those beautiful pictures you see in the magazines, it's because they've got a theme, it's got a style. And... Um, that's the first of the journey is basically finding that piece. And in the book, I tell you how to find that. And then that equates to, you know, it'll tell you what the elements are of that style. And so if a piece of furniture doesn't meet those elements in that style, and that's not to say that some pieces can evolve to those styles by just painting it. It might be just needs to tick a couple of boxes to incorporate that style into the piece. Okay, so, so when you mention elements, for example, because um, something I'm thinking about is, for example, if somebody has a particular design in their house. Yes. Um, I've mentioned this before in the series, but when my wife and I got married, we thought it would be an amazing idea to have a bright red splash back in our kitchen. Yes. Um, we soon worked out that was a terrible idea. But yeah. <laughs> I think that fad lasted about three months. Probably the most yeah. expensive fad we've ever had to redo. But yeah. the thing is, you know, it's some people in their house, some, uh, most of us, I guess this is all of us, will have a particular style when we first buy a house or when we first set mm. it up. But then it's like, okay, does, does this mean they need to go and change everything? And uh, I, I guess, and I don't know if you can answer this question because it's, I don't know if it's a complicated one, but how does somebody work out which parts to change first or where to begin? Because if everything's a particular style, but they suddenly like another, instead of just selling everything or painting everything the same color. Yeah, well, that's yeah. right. <laughs> well, in your case, because you had that red splashback, there's going to be always certain elements in your in your house that you can't change. 
Now, I don't know why you picked a red splashback, whether it's because you particularly like red at the time. Um, was it a fad that was going through or whether it's something that deep down you actually like something like that? So maybe it's more of a 70s look. So you might be going into a more of a retro look. And I don't know what your kitchen looks like, so I can't answer that. But perhaps you could incorporate that red into a 70s look or a modern look, something like that. Or I'm not sure what all your other furniture is, so it's really difficult for me to say. But um, if there's certain elements you can't change, don't worry too much about it. Just ignore it if you have to, um, as well as, the, you know, the red splashback. If you change everything else and you just got that one red splashback, well, then, you know, hello. It's a, you could use it as a, um, a statement piece. <laughs> yes, yes, I know what you mean. In, in the piece, sorry, in the room. So um, trying to sometimes ignore certain things like um, I've got um, creamy window frames and everyone goes, oh, I've got creamy window frames. What am I going to do with them? I can't paint my walls grey. Well, you can, but you need a warmer grey to go with your creamy um, sort of window frames. But you also will always have usually some sort of covering on your windows. So just ignore them if they're there. Don't try and make your walls cream just because you've got cream window frames. I know what you mean. So either, so don't get too hung up on it, basically. Um, yeah. Or, or make it a feature, you know, yeah, and correct. get everything to, yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense because. And what color is your kitchen? Is it all uh, white? White, yeah, all yeah. white. So, you know, that's going to work in with whatever you've got. Yeah. It's a bit like having a vase of flowers or something. Okay, yes. you got a red splashback, just, just leave it, ignore that and just change everything else that you want to change and just ignore it for the moment. Yes. It's, you know, it's just one of those things you can't change here and now. <laughs> no, no. Well, it, it's white now. It sort of bugged us too much. We ended up changing oh, it. But, okay. Yeah. But, but I said it was a very well, expensive. Be, yeah, that was going to yeah. be my next thing is just pull it off and put some tiles up. Yeah. Oh, but, and, and apart from painting, um, are there other things that people can, can do to, to goods? Um, um, absolutely. You can um, upcycle something. So I had, um, I found a, it was an Art Deco, I don't know if you know them, they're timber chest of drawers and they've got like a high appointment. It goes down, it's sort of like a step down sort of yes. type dresser. And it was very low to the ground. And I'm thinking, you know, it doesn't suit today's living. Uh, so I put casters on it and became an entertainment unit. So um, it was quite funky. I, I just painted some of the drawers and not all of the drawers so that it was sort of, um, uh, you know, funky enough that it's a statement piece again. People go, oh, wow, you know, that's a really groovy piece. So, it, that, yeah, you don't have to paint absolutely everything of a piece. It can just leave some of the timber and just paint some of it. I actually spray painted the handles as well. Um, they were an old silver chrome type um, handle that was chipped and it was looking really old and tired. So I just took them all off and spray painted them silver. They look fabulous again. Okay. And, and, and I'm sure you talk about this in your book, but as far as like materials are concerned, so what type of spray paint to use, what type of paint? Absolutely. Is, is, is there a type that most people should levitate towards um, or does it really depend on the material that they're spraying? Um, there's a couple of things. With some old timber products like timber furniture, you might find it's been previously waxed. It's important to get the wax off before you paint it because um, nothing will stick to wax. So yeah. I talk about in the book how to identify that and get that off. 
Um, but most of the time for furniture, you would use like um, a water-based enamel and um, that's because it's just easier to work with. It's less smelly. It dries quicker. You can wash your brushes out in water. Um, some, I guess, more older painters would say that oil-based enamels give you a higher gloss, which they do, and they are more robust, which they are, but they do turn yellow, especially if you're using whites. They will turn yellow with age. So I stick to the water-based um, enamels um, only because they're easier to work with. Um, and I talk about if, if it's been previously painted in oil, what to do uh, if you're going to put a water-based product over the top because technically you really shouldn't do that. You need to put like an undercoat and I talk about how you prep those pieces. So in the book it says actually a step-by-step process on how uh, with pictures that I've got um, painting a piece. So it was a little dresser that I picked up. Um, yeah, so I do talk about in the book everything pretty much you need to know and, you know, the people behind the paint counter are very good with their knowledge and so if you're not sure of anything, they will help you out because, you know, when you talk about colours, you might be looking at white base or you might be looking at darker bases and if you're looking at darker base paint like blacks and greys, dark greys, you need different types of base paint. So they come in white bases and they'll come in extra bright bases and they'll come in deep bases and they'll come in um, ultra deep bases. So they will help you out. You just choose a colour and they will do the rest, which is good. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think that is important because um, I, I heard this a very long time ago from a painter, but with painting anything, a, a probably 80% of the success of that painting is the prep work or, or making right. sure that you're using the right stuff on the right material. Yeah, so you have to really look at your substrate. Um, so once you know what that's and what's there and what's on it, I also tell you on the book how to identify if it is an oil-based product or water-based that's on there originally because you might buy something secondhand and you have no idea. Um, there are some products on the market. I think British have one called Paint and Prime. That will pretty much will go on anything because it has got a primer already included in that paint, which is a good uh, fail-safe sort of type paint as long as you still clean the piece and sand it. Um, and when you sand, you don't have to sand it all the way back. You just need to sand it so it gives the paint some grip to get to sort of stay on that piece um, because, you know, gloss paint is very slippery, so um, it's important to rough it up a bit. Yes. And, and on that note as well, uh, when it comes to ideas, so, you know, it's, yep. again, it's to me, I've always stolen ideas off everyone. That That's sort of my motto in life. So when it comes to, when I say steal, I mean like, you know, researching, looking at yeah, what absolutely. people are doing. When I set up my financial planning practice, you know, I looked at 50 different practices and I looked at what they're doing right, what they're doing wrong, what I love about them. Um, I spoke to people. I figured out what people want. Um, you know, when we've did our house here, we went to probably 50 open homes and, you know, yep. um, can you share on some tips on where people can get ideas or inspiration apart from, um, obviously Google, Facebook, Instagram. Yep. Um, again, like you said, I think the biggest thing is just working out what your style is and Google is going to be your best bet on that. Um, looking at images. So say, okay, I want to redo my living room. So just get online and put in, living room images or put in a particular style like Scandinavian. If you think you like Scandinavian, um, Scandinavian is sort of like light woods and um, pastel colours and whites 
and warm whites, um, soft greys, soft blues, soft pinks. Um, they can also be a coastal. So sometimes some of the um, styles can actually uh, transition from one to another. And you usually find if you like a particular style, I mean, you get a little bit bored with it, you can actually transition to a similar style by changing a few of your items. And that could be just changing some of your accessories um, or changing some of your soft furnishings. So all the other elements would stay there like your living, uh, so your sofa um, and your coffee table. You might just need a new rug or a lamp or some accessories to change it over. So one of the biggest tips is sort of probably, you know, the big ticket items, try to go for neutrals, obviously, so that you don't want too many statement things in like a sofa, um, stick to things that can be changed very quickly and easy um, with a, not too much money. Um, if you want a statement piece in that room, you would pick like an accent chair. Now, an accent chair is just a single chair that may be in um, a bold print or a bold colour that will add that extra colour to um, the room. So you don't want an all-whites interiors. You want something that maybe oh, I've got accents of blues here, so I need a big statement piece, just just a chair or something to give that extra punch. Um, and because the other things are neutral, it will stand out as a, a feature piece or the hero piece in the room. So something random. Yeah, yeah. But it, it's got to be obviously the similar style to what you're looking at. So, again, you would look then at accent pieces. So say if your, your style was Scandinavian, you would put in Scandinavian armchairs or something like that and then look at the piece and see what makes that a Scandinavian piece. So it would have, obviously have usually timber, timber legs. Um, it's simplified in its uh, in its style. So it's very simple lines. It's not like a wing chair, which is a classic chair. Uh, it's a bit more modern looking. And even maybe even a 70s piece would or a retro piece would actually fit in that that um, instance as well. So just look at lots and lots of images. I mean, I'm still learning that from when I'm looking for something in particular, I'm not quite sure if I would, how that's going to look in a room. I will get on Google and just look at as many images as possible. These podcasts have been brought to you by Better Financial Planning Australia. To book a free 15-minute phone chat, visit betterfinancialplanning.com.au. And, and where can somebody find these pieces as well? So if, if it's not around their home? Yeah, um, I go to places like Facebook Marketplace. It's very competitive, but, you know, it's, once you start to understand your style, then you know what you're looking for. It makes it a yep. lot simpler. Um, and I also say in the book to have a list of things that you want to change because if you're looking for an accent piece today like a chair, it may not come up for a couple of months, but there might be other things that you missed out on because you weren't looking for them. So if you write down all your pieces that you want to change and what you need, then when those pieces come up straight away, you can say, yes, I need that and buy it. So you've got Facebook Marketplace, you've got Gumtree, I even go to Salvos, I go to, you know, any thrift shops, um, just looking for pieces. I picked out a beautiful painting for $10. I mean, it was incredible. It was an oil canvas with a frame around it. It was, I couldn't, I couldn't leave it. I had to buy it. Um, it just seemed like a bargain and um, works beautifully in a bedroom. So, um, in the book, I also got before and afters, so that gives people lots of lots of images of what I've done 
um, taking pieces and how I've transformed them. I also learned along the way is how to do simple upholstery um, with an accent chair. If And I talk about what to look for in, in those processes because some um, pieces will require um, a upholstery sewing machine. And if you don't have that, it's a little bit difficult to do. So any pieces that you can just use a staple gun and a bit of gimp, which is like a um, um, piece of material that covers all your staples, um, is, is your best friend as well. And that was a lot of fun, just learning how to do that. And there's lots of videos online that show you how to do a simple chair. Yeah. What I like about what you just said is that you learned to do it, you know, and I think yeah. that's probably the key about all this that, you know, yes, reading your book will help because it'll give people confidence and sort of a, they'll probably learn from your mistakes, but yeah. it's, it really is like a learning <laughs> thing. It's like when I bought my first house, I did a lot of the renovations myself. Yes. Half were dodgy, but if not more than half, but you know, mm. I at least learnt some stuff from it, you know, not that Absolutely. I'd recommend people do their own renovations or their own. Yeah. I've actually got an episode on DIY and how why DIY is not a good thing, but it's, yeah. you do learn from it. You learn from your mistakes and you, Absolutely. you know, and you become more confident and you learn to know what to look for. Like what you said. Yeah, and, and like this book gives you the confidence to say, okay, I've sort of given you a lot of things in there that will stop you from making those mistakes. But I also talk about in the book, if you buy the wrong thing, what to do. It also talks about how you should always have a measuring tape and make sure that every piece fits your space. Important. I don't know how many houses I've gone to where they bought this beautiful lounge, but they said, oh, it's so comfortable. But it was so bulky, it did not fit in the room. And it was huge. And um, so it's important to know your space and what will fit in it and what is, you know, appropriate as far as balance. Um, the proportions have to be right. So I do talk about that. And same with rugs, what size you should be looking for. Again, with um, artwork, so many people buy the wrong size artwork for their room. If you're going to buy a smaller piece, you need to make probably have some other pieces with it, make it like a trilogy or something like that to, to, to fill that space. Um, there's so many tips in the book and also, like I said, before and afters and, and, and delivery. One of the things that I found, um, sometimes it's okay to say, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to buy that sofa, but it won't fit in my car. So how do we get it home? So we talk about that as well. So basically everything you need to know about buying secondhand goods is in that book and how to create that designer look, which is going to give you that. Uh, that worthiness from your friends going, oh, wow, how'd you do that? And you say, well, I painted that or I did this or I did that. Um, the pride you feel in doing that. Plus, you're also helping the environment. I mean, how many pieces, like I said, end up in landfill? Um, actually, 85% of all furniture that's left on my curbside ends up in landfill, which is just wrong. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. It is. And yeah. And, and the thing is, it's 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 that it's being wasted. It's it's normally something that you paid a lot of money for once upon a mm. time, um, or something that someone fallen, else paid a lot of money for. Yeah, and and if you've fallen out of love with it, it's because possibly it's the color usually, um, or maybe the style. But sometimes you can change the style from changing the um, handles. Um, that can make a difference to a piece as well. So. Um, you know, don't think just because you've got a piece, have a look at it, 
and you go, what can I do? I mean, if you paint it and you still hate it, sell it. Um, someone else will buy it and then replace it with something else secondhand. That way you're sort of doing more of a swap. I was actually just about to say that. So I know somebody a while ago that used to do something very similar, if not exactly the same as yourself, you know, buying things and painting them. Um, but for, for her, it was a way of making money. So she used to li- mm. it literally became like a second form of income where she would be on Facebook, Marketplace or Gumtree, she'd find something or she'd go to a lot of garage sales when there's like a deceased estate, for example, and whoever's there just wants to get rid of everything. And they would, should buy like a table. Yep. And all it take, all it would need is just a bit of sanding and some paint and suddenly it looks amazing and then should sell it you know so and the other thing that's really interesting is when you go to a lot of furniture stores these days half the stuff it hasn't but half the stuff that's brand new looks like it's been done in this way like this that look Mm. is really popular at the moment and people will normally pay big bucks for something that looks rustic or something that looks antique that's correct yeah yeah and you know the other thing is too that i don't know in victoria um, it's probably not as prevalent, but here in Queensland, people are going more and more towards timber floors. So once you already have timber floors, timber furnish can look a little bit heavy, and that's why we're on this painting revolution, basically, on painting all those beautiful pine pieces of furniture we bought back in the country look days um, are being painted. And to be honest, some of that furniture is so well made and, you know, has uh, metal runners on it. They glide. Um, a lot of furniture you buy today, to get that quality, you would have to spend thousands to get that. And, you know, you already got it. <laughs> yeah, it's there. Yeah, it's there. Paint it. There. Have a go. I mean, it's fun. Yeah, it is. Honestly, it is. And it's that confidence. It's like what you said, when you discover your style and you've got that roadmap, when you know what to look for, you've done things. Yes, you might make some mistakes, but, you know, it's, it's not you a just big learn thing. from it. No. Yeah. And, you know, you can just repaint it. If you make a really big mistake, just repaint it. I don't like that color. Just paint yeah. it again. Um, that's the best thing. I mean, at the moment, we're painting a lot of furniture. Who knows? In 50 years' time, we're probably stripping it all back. But yeah. <laughs> at least a piece that's solid timber should never end up anywhere near fill because um, you should be, you know, it will last for years and years and years to come. If you've got chunks out of it, you just fill it, and that's the beauty of painting. You can actually disguise all those blemishes if it's got chips in it, if it's got dents in it, you just sand it, fill it, paint it, and it looks beautiful again. That's it. And you know what? It reminds me as well of the fact that our society these days or I don't know if it's our society or if it's just humans in general, but we've sort of back in the days, if something was broken, you'd fix it. Yes. These days people just replace it with something else, you know, and Mm. we all know that things aren't built the way they used to be, you know, back in the days, things were built to last Mm. these days. They're not built to last. So I think that really highlights as well. The importance is if you've got something, especially if you've paid a lot of money for it or something Mm. that's, worth a fair bit or it's unique or it was given Mm. to you by someone that values it or even if it's something you value to to go through this process. And Mm. and you know what I'm thinking as well, as a worst case, if you stuff it up, it was probably something you were going to throw out anyway. That's correct. Yeah. It's it's not like you're (laughs) it's not like you're painting your, you know, 400 year old antique chair that's worth half a million dollars or, you know. Yeah, that's right. 
Yeah. And, you know, I know a lot of people have got pieces from their grandparents or whatever and they go, it's not really my style but I can't get rid of it. But to be honest, a lot of antiques in Queen um, in Australia, a lot of them weren't very well made, the ones that you find like secondhand because, you know, my grandparents weren't very well off. So they, they bought a piece of timber that may not be um, um, Cheswick or, you know, is going to be, highly valued it's not going to be worth thousands and thousands of dollars anyway so you know you might buy it in a secondhand shop or an antique shop but you probably only pay a couple of hundred dollars for it to 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 be honest if it's looking a bit tired even if you just painted the legs or you painted just the um drawer fronts just to make it look a little bit more modern or to fit in with your style it's not going to be a big issue you can always um strip that back at some point um so I tell people if they've got a piece and it is a family heirloom or whatever, something that's been handed down and you can't get rid of it, you know, just have a really good look at it and think, well, can I just jazz it up with some um, handles or maybe I need to put a runner across the top of it and I don't want to paint it, so I'll just put a white runner across the top and um, perhaps um, some different types of accessories on top will actually elevate it to a more modern look. Um, there's another option you could do with that sort of piece would be to um, get a piece of glass that will fit the top and um, haven't seen it recently but there used to be a spray that you could spray the back of it and it'll turn into a mirror and um, and then just put that on top and so it becomes like a mirrored top um, cabinet. Um, I think the pandemic has uh, some of the suppliers haven't been able to supply certain products because of what's happened. Um, but hopefully in the future, you will be able to still get hold of that. That was a great little spray. I've used that a few times. And I had a, a piece that was I picked up and I did sell this piece, but it was a, um, a wrought iron piece and had a glass. I don't know if you know the type and it's got like a little timber uh, frame around the top of it and it's got a glass piece in it. It's very sort of wrought iron. Um, I don't even know what style it was from, probably from the 80s. Um, and I painted I painted the timber white, painted the, uh, left the um, legs black and just paint, sprayed that piece of glass in this um, mirror a finish and it looked beautiful after it was done and I resold that. It would be a nice little statement piece in an entry, you know, because it's got that little bit of bling. Um, it can look very Hampton in a way if you painted the legs white. Um, it could also make it look a little bit more Hampton style because Hampton style is a classic style and they do use sometimes cane and wrought iron in some of their st- selected styles. So when I talk about the elements of styles in the book, there's always a little bit of a transitional um, because you've got to understand that styles evolved over time. So something that was sort of like, um, um, like I said, Hampton style or would have been a French style originally and it's, the Americans took that and made it more in an area where it was Hampton style. So it's become a little bit more country, provincial, French provincial with a little bit of a coastal flair to it. So that's basically what Hampton style is. So it's a mix of similar styles that sort of evolve into a a certain style. And that's what I'm saying. When you're looking at styles, you can always 
sometimes transition sideways. Because you mentioned as well that the item that you sold and in your book, you talk about, um, you know, some really some success stories, essentially, I mean, before some nice befores and afters. Yes. Are there any, is there a couple that you can share with us as well? Just some really good examples of situations where you were going to throw something out or somebody was, and it's just had such a dramatic improvement on the value or the look of that item. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Um, I picked up a couple of, um, two bedside tables that were solid pine um, with pine handles and um, had beautiful style. All drawers were on runners, had a few scratches on it, a few dints, obviously. Um, it was looking very tired. And um, I um, painted them all. And so I picked them up for free and then I sold them for $150 for the pair. Wow. So, you know, just painting them. And I didn't even paint. I didn't even change the handles on those ones. Um, handles can be quite expensive to change if you've got quite a lot. But if you wanted to, you could have changed the handles and made them black handles or whatever to make them more Hampton style. And just because um, I actually did this to a few, quite a few draw pieces during the pandemic because I had paint left over, obviously, and I painted some grey and I painted some white. And then I thought, I'm going to mix this up a bit. So I painted some with grey um, feet and the rest of it white, or I just did the draw fronts <clears throat> in a grey and, and the legs in a grey and left the rest white. And, you know, it all worked and um, painted, um, sold them again for about the $120, $150 for the pair. Wow, there you go. So if it's not something that you keep, as I said, it's something that yeah, you could get a bit of pocket money off it on the side. And I think it's Absolutely. even something you can get kids involved in if, you know, at school holidays, uh, kids, if they've got a bit of time, just get them to scale Facebook Marketplace. Or if there's something around the house you don't want, give it to your kids, give them some paint and say, hey, go crazy. Yeah, absolutely. Show them how to do it. I mean, it's a good skill to have because, like yep. you said, when you're young, um, I come across, you know, young people all the time who buy their first home and they have no idea how to paint, um, you know, and they really appreciate um, you giving them help with understanding how to do that. So I think if you teach young kids how to paint a piece of furniture from an early age, it's something they're going to carry through with them for the rest of their lives. So very important. Yeah, that's so true. And, and Anita, if anybody wanted to get in contact with you um, and to purchase your book as well, what are the ways that they can do that? Yep. On my Facebook page, there's um, under the bio, there's actually a link. Um, it's a-b-interiors.square.site. And that takes you um, right to where you buy. It's um, There's also a shop on there as well on Facebook. So if you just click on the shop, it'll come up and you just it will tell you if you want to pay by credit card and if you need a delivery, um, it gives you some options or if you want to pick it up if you're a local. Yeah, nice. And I'll, I'll, put, a lo- I'll put a link to that website in the description of this episode as well. Sure. So people can click on that. Um, and, uh, and lastly, Anita, just for the, our, our dad joke of the day, I don't know if you're accustomed to many dad jokes. Oh, yeah. But, <laughs> but um, did you hear about the guy that robbed the furniture store? No. no he got the chair. Uh. Yeah. No. I, I had to find a furniture joke. I love joke. that. So it's, <laughs> it's, and it, it, sometimes it's hard to find. Like when I look for it, when I Google dad joke and I try to find something that connects to it, it's really hard. But there was actually a lot of furniture jokes. Half of them weren't oh, really appropriate right. for this episode, but it's uh, <laughs> that was a good one. That was probably one of my favorites. But um, Anita, thank you so much for your time. 
Honestly, no it was... problem. Thank you, Michael. Yeah, no, it's a pleasure. And who who thought that, you know, such a simple topic could be so exciting and there could be so many different parts to it. And I hope people do purchase your book and I hope people do take up the challenge to, to do these things around the house. Okay. Thank you, Michael. Thank you. Thanks for joining us on Sharing More Than The Sheets. Please make sure you subscribe to be updated with future episode releases and feel free to share this episode with any friends or family that you think it might benefit. Please visit us at sharingmorethanthesheets.com.au to submit questions or requests for future podcast topics. These podcasts have been brought to you by Better Financial Planning Australia. To book a 15-minute phone chat, visit betterfinancialplanning.com.au.